Welcome to Season 4 of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations of Rockstar Burst and myself, Michael Woodland, as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, community matters, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. All right, good people, we're back at it again, and thank you for joining us for another installation of the M-W Tactical Podcast. This week's show is brought to you in part by JM4 Tactical. JM4 Tactical is a sponsor of the show and me as a competition shooter as well, and a provider for, for you and all of your holster needs. So if you head on over to jm4tactical.com and check out all they have to offer far as getting a holster that you can use for your EDC, whether it be inside the waistband or outside the waistband. They have all the options you need when it comes to a holster. Now, on another note with Jam Ford Tactical, they got a podcast out as well. So head on over to jamfordtactical.com and check out their podcast. And I'm pretty sure you can find it on YouTube also. And guess who was their first guest speaker on the podcast? You guessed it, yours truly. So go check it out and leave a comment and tell me what you thought about it as well as let them know. So this week's sponsor is JM4 Tactical. As always, I want to say thanks to everyone who listens to the show. So that is very much appreciative. Now, if you will, Please leave your comments in the description section and tell us what you think about the show and topics you want us to talk about or just your comments. And you can either leave them in the description on the YouTube channel or give us an email at or shoot us an email at info at m-wtactical.com. And I'm just curious to hear this so I can bounce it off with Rockstar and see what we can come up with next for the good people. Also, remember, if you're listening to us on Spotify, Spotify has it, whereas you can watch the M-W Tactical podcast just like you would on YouTube. So um, check out that feature on Spotify if you haven't already. But if you're driving in your vehicles, hey, that's even better. Now, without further ado, bringing forth the co-host of the M-W Tactical Podcast, the one, the only, the person that I troll the most these days, the beautiful Miss Rockstar. What's going on there with you there, Miss Rockstar? Oh, just surviving whatever new chapter of the world we're uh, living through these days. (laughs) You ain't lying, man. First it's the weather, now it's the way people react and treat each other it is crazy out here now, in a sense of speaking. <laughs> in a sense of speaking. Yeah, so um, before we jump into any of the discussions of what we got to do to save the world, how was your week and your weekend? My week was good. We got a snowstorm, which was kind of surprising. I mean, I guess it's still technically winter here, but we got dumped on. I mean, it was like five or six inches. It was very pretty and uh, not super heavy, slushy snow, which is nice. So it was 
very much a winter wonderland, but I'm ready for spring at this point. I want to be outside and I want to be not shoveling and uh, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for this. So the day when y'all had your snowstorm that hit, a friend of mine from up north contacted me also. And the funny part about it, when y'all had the snow, it was 82 degrees here in South Carolina at that time. <laughs> well, actually, I was going from South Carolina to Georgia at that time frame because, you know, I had to go um, have a meeting with the CEO, the little assistant, and she wanted to share her thoughts on what M-W Tactical is doing all together. So we had to sit down and do some brainstorming. But that travel period from South Carolina to Georgia, it was 82 degrees. <laughs> Yes. And I, I felt bad saying it because, you know, it was like, yeah, we got a big snowstorm coming through. Really? As I'm driving, I'm like looking up at the sky, like, this is like a, a whole 82 degrees out here right now. It is beautiful. So, so well, that's, I have to plan my escape when I, uh... <laughs> hey, like I said, hey, you're, you're more than welcome to come down here and hang out in South Carolina and Georgia. You know more than enough people in the area. It's true. I you know. know down in Georgia these days it's crazy yeah so even when you look at it um Kevin and Ken they're three hours from me okay um tactical Santa yeah he's, he's about an hour and a half from me going the opposite direction <laughs> you know um I don't know if you know Gil or not Gil. I think yeah. Pete's by you too isn't he yeah Pete's like um about an hour 45 almost two hours away from me also okay. so yeah, like I said, so even if you just want to get away, there's more than enough to do here in this pocket <laughs> right here where everybody is. I'm like centrally located to everybody. Yeah, right. You're with all the cool kids. <laughs> hey, that's what it is. I'm, I'm trying to stay cool. That's what it is <laughs> outside of the weather, you know. But um, I think the hardest person it is for me to keep in contact with is um, MJ. Michael yeah. Waller. Busy. Yes. So um. I've been trying to get a hold of him for a month. So we was talking about doing something and I can't get a hold of him now. So hopefully he'll call me back. And if he's listening, hey, I'm waiting on your call. <laughs> That's all I can say. I've been waiting on your call. Get him up on Instagram. That's how I hunt everybody down. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what I need to do. Cause you know, normally um I'll shoot people a text message and they normally call back pretty fast. And of course, if they're busy, they always like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm busy. That's what Julie does, Julie Galop. Yeah, like she'll actually like you'll send her a message. She'll hit you back like about a week or so later. Sorry, I've been busy. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah. So um, but outside of that, though, like I said, my week has been very good, very entertaining. <laughs> and then, um, like I said, I decided to take um, a couple days to go to Georgia to hang out with the, the CEO, the little assistant, and just talk and brainstorm with her. Nice. Yeah, so she's actually looking forward, and um, she had to reserve her little spot to come back on the podcast. So I was like, "Okay, yeah, we got you." And she said, "No, I want it on this date." And I was like, "Okay, we can do that too." So demanding to be so young. <laughs> you know how that goes. She knows what she wants. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's what it, you can't you can't fault her. You can't fault her. So, um, but outside of that. Um, Actually, next week, we can actually talk about you dressing up the AR-15 that we talked about a few weeks ago. Oh. Yeah, so I think we need to get a, a progress report on that. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Then on top of that, um, I do want to talk about this week matters going on around the world. But even though we know Russia took action against Ukraine for whatever their reasons are, I want to hit it from a different perspective that we talked about on social media. So everybody in the 2A community, they posted about it. But I want to actually talk about it and then bleed it into what took place with us as a country between World War II and the Vietnam War era, right? And then um, I think it'd be pretty educational to talk about that, that aspect of it, <laughs> you know? But let's um, jump into a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we'll go ahead and we'll hit that up. And then also um, we're going to have a conversation with Sergeant Gomez today also, right? And then later on in the podcast, we're going to have a conversation with another competition shooter named Doug Lawson and hear what he has going on and the challenges that he's faced with when it comes to competition shooting. So if everybody will, go and adjust the volume on your headsets. If you're at home, go ahead, get into the recliner, lay the chair back. If you're in your vehicle, go ahead and turn the radio up a little bit, hit the cruise control. Roll the window down if it's warm enough. And here are a few words from our sponsors. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. Mental Health and Guns. At Walk the Talk America, we're working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. Hey everyone, John from Outdoor Dynamics here. We're a remanufacturer of ammunition based in Kannapolis, North Carolina. We make everything from 9mm 115 grain to specialized 40 Smith & Wesson. So if you have anything from an open gun to just a standard Glock 19, feel free to reach out to us at OutdoorDynamics.net or we're on Instagram and Facebook with Outdoor.Dynamics. And we're always here for you. Happy to answer any questions you have. All right, good people. We're back at it again. And thank you for listening to that commercial break. Now, like always, please pay the sponsors a visit and let them know that you heard about them through the M-W Tactical Podcast. Now, to let y'all know, if I don't say that last little portion, 
Rockstar actually gigs me the gummies, you know, so <laughs> I can't have a bag of gummies if I don't say that after every commercial break. So that's <laughs> what she does. And I, I'm, I'm a sugar addict. I can't, I can't help it. I can't. An intervention for those gummies. They, everybody <laughs> tries to do that, but I'm like, have you ever seen a black guy turn green? <laughs> when I said, I'm like, what, what? <laughs> that's pretty much what happens. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but if you can actually get the German gummies, hey, that's even better. Right now, okay, I deal with the cheap gummies, you know, like you get at Circle K. Um, <laughs> if there's a Circle K or 7-Eleven in your area, the, the store brand gummies, that's what I go with. So. <laughs> the off-brand. Yes, yes. <laughs> but um, let's go ahead and dive into this quick discussion break before we go ahead and um, reach out to Sergeant Gomez and talk to him for a little bit. Now, we are already aware that Russia has declared war on the Ukraine. And everybody has their opinions about it, of what should take place, who should do what, et cetera, et cetera. One thing I found fascinating about the whole talking point, especially when you see what's going on in our nation today, and then let's back it up a couple of years ago, what was going on in Venezuela a couple of years ago, All right? So in Venezuela, what the government actually did was convince the people they didn't need firearms, that the government would protect the people. Then you fast forward to like last year, year before last, when the government turned on the people and there was no food and the people was trying to fight the government to just survive. Now, that's within itself, not another country attacking them. The Ukraine government, what they did was they decided to give firearms to military-aged men, meaning if they declared someone to be 15, 16 years old, you're old enough to fight in the war. Come on over here. We're going to teach you how to use this firearm. Now, What's your take on that aspect of what's taking place in that country? Well, I think that's why the Second Amendment is so important, right? Because in theory, you don't know when an attack is going to happen. And we're obviously fortunate to live in the U.S. where we have a way different constitution than most of the world. And we also have an extremely powerful military. So the odds of us getting attacked is <clears throat> probably lesser than some of these other, not that Ukraine's not a, you know, Ukraine's still a big country, but um, as far as uh, us getting attacked, I mean, they don't feel like our friendly neighbors to the north are a real threat. And there's, you know, more people living in California than there are in the entire country of Canada. And as far as Mexico going on the offense anytime soon, I, I don't see that happening. They have enough of their um, own problems to kind of work through. But let's say that we were a country that was in conflict with one of our neighboring countries at, absolutely then the second amendment would be more important um currently i think that we have the second amendment in place mainly to stop our own government from becoming tyrannical against us i don't think that the state should have a monopoly on violence and if you get rid of the second amendment that's what happens the state ends up being all the ones with the guns all the ones with the weapons all the ones with the power so 
to me, firearms have always been sort of this uh, great equalizer. Obviously, we don't have tanks and missiles and things like that. Well, you know, some people do, but by and large, the average civilian does not have that. But, you know, if, uh, <laughs> if the government does decide to turn against its people at some point, I think a lot of Americans would put up a pretty good fight. And there's a lot of um, lawful law-abiding citizens who stand for this country and for the Constitution that you know, we have that option because we do have the Second Amendment. We are able to to arm ourselves. Um, there was a tweet by um, Thomas Massey, who's one of the U.S. representatives from Kentucky, and <laughs> he's basically just said, you know, a well-regulated militia um, being necessary you know, as like, he basically just quoted the Second Amendment. And then at the, <laughs> at the very end, he wrote, um, do you appreciate it now? And I think that's, uh, that's definitely sort of this takeaway when you're seeing another country under attack, um, you start to realize why owning a firearm is so important. And just like even having to rely on the government for that, that's not the best it's not efficient and you know nothing about the government is fast go stand in line at the dmv you'll be there all day like nothing about how the government operates is quick or smooth or easy so to sort of have this again waiting on the government to take care of me where why why can't i just take care of myself why can't i just be armed from the get-go so if an invasion does attack i'm not waiting on uncle sam to knock on my door to hand me my rifle like i don't i don't want to think about that so yeah, that's kind of my take on it. I, I think that's why we do have the Second Amendment and that's why it is so important. And that's, you know, we have the right to defend our life, liberty and property. So um, it's too bad that more countries don't have that. I think the Second Amendment, it protects us against us, not against other people. Now, when something happens here on American soil, now you're going to see the people blend together to end whatever assault took place you know so um i don't think the second amendment is in place to constitute us to fight off whoever now i, I do believe the second amendment blends in with my next talking point on what took place between world war ii and the vietnam war and for people to actually call and cry for firearms to be taken away. Like I said, I don't really agree with that overall because of the fact, look at everything this nation is associated with when it comes to firearms, whether it be handgun or a rifle, <laughs> like just think about it. So back in the early days of the country, that was your survival means for food and clothing, of course. Then when you turn around and you look at it, somebody tried to steal your horse or break into your home or whatever. Once again, the firearm is there to protect and lay the law of the land down, right? Okay, you do certain things, this is what you're gonna get, you know? Goes back to the old saying, play stupid game, get stupid prizes, <laughs> right? Now you look at it today, the argument is, well, they, they was talking about muskets and they didn't know anything about what we got today. It doesn't matter. The concept is still the same. 
you know, because cars wasn't talked about back then, but people still use vehicles to do what crimes, killings, and everything else associated with it. But we're taking the firearm and making it a person. And that's the part I don't really understand, right. you know? So let's just happen to say they took away everybody's firearms. And then an attack happened on American soil. Now you got these ammo depots all around or weapon depots, however you want to look at it. Hey, come over here and get your firearm <laughs> and defend our nation. But let's just happen to say it was 50 years from the time firearms was taken away. And that next generation, they don't know nothing about shooting a firearm. Now, let's just say that's the case in Ukraine right now. You got a bigger problem because now people are going to be spraying and praying versus working on the fundamentals and relaxing and looking at the sites, you know, focusing on the target, you know, keeping that calm demeanor when the stuff hits the fan. So when you technically, when you look at it, you're doing more harm than good <laughs> by doing that. Yeah. You know, so now what actually took place between World War II and the Vietnam War, they had snipers for in um, the military forces for World War II. After World War II and the war was declared over, they dismantled the sniper training, sniper sections across the board, Army and Marines. They disbanded. They just got rid of it. Now, when we did the uh, Vietnam War, guess what they realized that we needed? Uh, where's the manual? That, uh, what manual? <laughs> uh, what about the people that trained? They all did. Like, what was going on? You know what I'm saying? So we're, you have to reinvent the wheel. Now, of course, if you understand a little bit of history and done a little bit of reading, you know, um, Carlos um, Hathcotch, I think I said his name right. He's on. He's actually from Virginia, like the Virginia Beach area. Well, lived in the Virginia Beach area um, before he passed. He was like the spearhead person in the Marines for the sniper section, you know, bringing it to forth um, what it is today, you know. And then, of course, um, some of that training from the Marines bled over to the Army side of things, which now you go into any unit, they have a dedicated sniper section. You know, um, I can tell you the United States Army Sniper School, they are on top of it when it comes to keeping those snipers trained, you know, passing information down to the units, to the snipers that already came through the sniper school, um, designated marksmen uh, programs that they have with various units. They're on top of all that stuff. So I don't think you have to worry about that happening again because the mistake was made it was realized and we can't allow that to happen again. Yeah. You know? So why would we consider taking away firearms from people when they're still a threat from other countries possibly right. on us, you know? So 
How, how do you feel about that, knowing that little bit of history that's taking place? And that was just a brief summary, not even going into everything. Sure, yeah. Well, I think that's a good point. All of a sudden you have an entire generation that doesn't know how to do something. You have all that lost knowledge. And how are you planning to get people up to speed in a very short amount of time? And um, I don't I don't actually know how many people are in our military right now, but I would imagine that it's not, if, if we were to get invaded, like let's say no one had guns and we did get invaded by a, a foreign nation, I would imagine that depending on where they attacked and how they attacked, we, we wouldn't have a military to protect all of the borders. So we would need some of the people to likely stand up in some sort of a militia. But what good are those people going to be if they've never shot a firearm before? And all of a sudden you're trying to learn, you could have the best, leader, teacher, instructor in the world, but in a moment of panic and a moment of chaos and being caught off guard with something like that to be able to actively make good decisions and quote unquote, take out the bad guy. I, I just don't see that happening. I, I don't understand how you could expect a country to defend itself with very Minimal training. I mean, I know obviously there's, um, you know, when there's wars going on, it's like fights of passion and things like that. So it's not to say that that hasn't happened in, in history, but I think by and large, you're at a huge disadvantage if you haven't been actively training and, and using a firearm. I would actually say when you train somebody with a firearm, it would take roughly, I would say two years. Two, two years in total to get um, everything situated to the point, whereas you should be like very fluent with the firearm under pressure, not just fluent with it through dry fire, but about two years before it hits the norm and it's like a regular for you. Yeah. You know? Right. So, and they but, had like two days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So you got to be well more than careful um, when you turn around and you look at it from the standpoint of um, just doing it and just throwing a firearm in somebody's hand because the person that spray and pray, man, you might damage your own equipment and your own personnel. Right. You know, and not just not being safe, trying to flee and you might take out three or four of your people you know, yeah. in the process, you know, and then let's talk about the tactics aspect of it. How are they going to communicate? Do they actually understand what to do under the pressure when it comes to bounding, you know, simple stuff, simple stuff, uh, simple stuff for those in the military. I'll put it like that. Who had the training prior. Yeah, exactly. So this but, is um, like, I'm curious to see what's going to take come forth of all of this as well. And um, I'm going to keep my eye as to what's taking place over there. Yeah, there's a um, lot of stuff going on for sure. Of course, before um, the commercial break and after the commercial break, we did say we was going to bring in Sergeant Gomez and um, do our talking discussion with Sergeant Gomez. And at the same time, we actually have Sergeant Gomez on the phone. So what's going on there with you there, Sergeant Gomez? Hey, how's it going? It's gone, it's gone. We're just talking a little bit about the Ukraine situation and the government giving people firearms to defend their nation. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, I mean, that, I think that's what's expected. 
I mean, fortunately for us as Americans, we have that right, right, that, where we don't have to be given, or we shouldn't have to be given the okay to use them. But I mean, some governments feel like they have to, or in some cases, some of our, I guess, political figures here think that it's a privilege. But when we need them, they're going to give us the okay to use them. But that's not what I mean. The Second Amendment is designed for. Right. But now we also got to remember, too, that Ukraine, um, they're not part of NATO. And it was a lot of nations that decided not to become part of NATO because they wasn't aware of what it could snowball into. Because, of course, when it was formulated, you had other people that was looking at other interests back in like the 70s and 80s. You know, that's different time period, different way of thinking and everything like that. So now um, I do believe they Ukraine was talking to the NATO reps to possibly come forth into NATO. And it just so happened that Russia decided to attack before all that was um, becoming finalized and everything. From what yeah. I gathered, that's, you know. That's that. pretty much what I've gathered. It's kind of hard mm-hmm. to keep up with it. Yeah. Is there, I mean, we know there's so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes and then under the table. It's like, it's just a matter of timing and we're just lucky enough to live in a world where we are getting play by play pretty much. Yeah. If not, we'd be, we'd be waiting through the newspapers or waiting for the news and we'd be days behind. And even, even now trying to watch the news and you're trying to keep up with what's going on. But I'm getting more information through social media, whether it's um, propaganda or it's real or not, I don't know. But I mean, that goes for everything else too. So I mean, just take it as a grain of salt and hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what we can do. But now, um, what talking points do you bring to the table today? Because you got Rockstar on the line with us also. And I think she was more excited to talk to you about see what you're going to throw at her today. All right. So uh, let's see. Um, if you had three in order of precedence or in order of importance, if you had to make three types of changes to your handgun, what would they be? Oh man, that's a good question. <laughs> so, yeah, just you'd only make three modifications in the order that they are important to you. And I guess what would matter in translating the accuracy and everything you want that gun to do, what would they be? I would probably have a red dot. I would add that. Um, that would be number one. And then I would add a flashlight. That would be number two. And then I might swap out the trigger. That would probably be my my third modification. Um, and then I get, I mean, yeah, but then, and then for a bonus that doesn't have anything to do with practicality, I would just get it Cerakoted in a cool color. <laughs> like <that>. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Let's see here. Three modifications I would do. And we're talking a brand new firearm. So like um, a box chain firearm, correct? 
Yeah, I mean, if you if you just got something like I don't know, Glock nineteen or H and K, a VP nine or something, okay, stock. Yeah. So first thing I would change would be the sights, because I like my front sight to be fiber optic, and I like my rear sights to be blacked out. You know, and a lot of firearms, like for instance, Glock, they have the U-shaped window on the back, and it's outlined with the white um ink and a lot of other firearms have the dots on the back so when you're looking at it you got two dots on the back one dot in the front and then if you do it properly you got three dots lined across the rear i believe it takes too much time to process all that information because when you're looking at the dots that's what your mind is telling you line the dots up line the dots up instead of okay, this is an acceptable sight picture, you know? And that's why I like the fiber optics and up front with it blacked out in the rear. Now, I know a lot of people probably beat me up and say, well, what about night sights? Well, I'm a firm believer in if you train and whatever happens at night, if I can turn to that sound, you know what I'm saying? Because I can't see through the nights unless I got nods on, but if I can see an image or whatever, or at least hear the sound, just like, um, Kevin Coster did on the bodyguard. Remember when he closed his eyes and in the snow, he turned to it. Okay. He relied on the, his training, you know, pretty much the same thing. So, but I'm not a big fan of putting night sights on my firearm. The second modification I will make will be the grip because I got big hands and I would like the firearm to sit comfortably in my hand. Now, I do believe that there are a lot of great companies out there that actually make this option presentable for us guys and females who have big hands. Smith and Wesson is a big component of it because you get like four different straps when you get a brand new firearm. Um, Glock, they give you some as well. Um, Walther, they give you some as well. Um, I'm, not, I'm not certain about HK or SIG because I don't own one of those firearms. Yeah, H&K gives you a couple of back plates and side plates, and it's like 32 different uh, configurations. Okay. And yeah. at some point, you just got to find one that works for you. At, for the moment, I guess, you can always change it. And I mean, like everything else, you can bevel out the mag well or add that adapter to the mag magazine well, but yeah, the options are endless. Correct. Now, um... What I did when I was overseas, Iraq and Afghanistan, I took some um, tape and we call it 100 mile an hour tape in the military. And that's nothing more than that big green roll of tape you see, the ugly green that everybody walks around with. And I literally took that and just wrapped it around my grip and formed it till it felt comfortable in my hand, you know, just shaping it till it fit in my hand comfortably. Um, because the grip that was on that um, firearm was very thin and it just didn't sit right in my hand, you know, so I went ahead and taped it up, made it big enough, whereas it felt comfortable in my hand. Because the third modification I would do is extended magazines. Now I'm not talking about an extended magazine, whereas you got 200 rounds in a magazine, <laughs> you know, just something simple. So if your firearm comes with the magazine capacity of 15, 18, or 19, 
okay, bump it up to 25 because I don't, I don't need it too big, but I don't need it too small either. Whereas I can grab it and effectively put it into the firearm, you know, and that's for a handgun. All these modifications that I'm talking about is for a handgun and it, it can work for AR-15 as well. And these are modifications for your competition guns or something you'd, you'd carry or self like home defense. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not even talking competition right now. Uh, I was okay. talking, I was thinking of it along the lines of like EDC or, okay. you know, somebody broke into the house. What would I want on that firearm if something happened when stuff hits the fan? Now, okay, you, yeah. yeah I mean, if you're talking about modifying a competition gun, now that's a whole different rabbit hole. And I really got to think about that one because everything is so important. But what is more important when it comes to gaming it for points? But if my life is on the line, yeah, I'll go with those three um, the sights, the grip, and then extended magazines. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, I guess, simple. And uh, as far as price, they don't, it won't break the bank, right? Like those are three pretty manageable improvements to a gun. Yeah. And if you ever look at what's going on in the 2A industry, there's um, just like in fashion. Okay. Everybody thinks these pair of shoes are hot. So you have a majority of a lot of people who will go and buy those pair of shoes or these pants. They're supposed to be the hotness. And you'll see everybody rocking those pair of pants. It's the same thing in the firearm industry. For instance, if you remember a couple years ago, let's just say maybe five or six years ago, the double undercut under the trigger guard. Remember how everybody was wanting to get that double undercut because um, that's when somebody was truly complaining about Glock knuckle, you, you know, and fighting that. Yeah. You know? And they were trying to get a higher grip, right? Like trying Correct. to get higher on the pistol grip. Correct. Because, um, of course, we want that firearm as tight and compact in our hands so we can control that recoil that much more better. Now, fast forward a couple of years from that moment, you remember when, and the person that I remember clearly doing this more than anybody was Chris Costa, where they was chopping down a lot of the grips on firearms like just taking off a little bit of it. And for whatever reason, I was like, I don't, I don't see a reason to do that because I want more on it. So even if I do have a bad grip, I can still you know, like rebound from it, you know? And that was just like a little fad um, of a time period that was going on. And it's the same thing. Um, like what, a couple of years ago was flashlight on firearms. All right, now this company has the hottest um, holster for your firearm you know oh this person right here is supposed to be the hottest trainer on the market so you know so it's the same thing you know um that takes place as far as fashion and everything else in your everyday life yeah and like i guess it also whose hands it falls in like if you got some tier one operator guy hey i, I like this it's gonna sell mm -hmm. just by word of mouth and like through social media yeah, and it's, it's crazy because the the uh, people make a killing from just working out of their garage. Yes. But unless you're, like, whatever you're pushing out, your product isn't 
being uh, landed or landed in the right hands. I'm not going to go too far. Well, think about that time period when we was over in Afghanistan together. And you remember when everybody was watching that Magpul um, DVDs? And they was yeah, going to the range and they was trying to replicate sense. all that stuff. Yeah. And I kept telling everybody, hey, don't try to be like those guys because those conditions are not the conditions we're dealing with over here. Do what works for you and whatever your training level is at. So if you can shoot off three rounds in a fast succession, shots on target and bound to the next position, cool, so be it. But if you can't do that, okay, you might need two rounds and then let your battle buddy bound up and then they cover you and you come up, you know, something simple like that. But Yeah, and like the theatrics of it, yes. like I remember specifically there's a, there was a point, it was cool because we'd, we'd, we were all privates and never seen something like that. Mm -hmm. And his DVDs had just been handed around. And there's a point where like you had to reload and there's like this over-exaggerated cant of the weapon where the magazine flings out. <laughs> it's like, when, when you're looking at that for the first time, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But when you think about it, it's like, is that real? Like, it doesn't work because the the momentum you're spending trying to eject that mag with the spin of the weapon, you could be pulling the other magazine out and already feed into the gun. Correct. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it's easy to get caught up in the theatrics because it looks cool, but once you break it down, yeah, you waste or, or you so try to apply time. it, yeah, once you try to apply it, it doesn't it doesn't work. You should see uh, Rockstar on the range when she's um holding the firearm and everything. She she kind of looked over like, "Am I doing this right? Hey, do you just do you? <laughs> like, don't worry about what nobody else thinks. As long as you're safe, let it rip." Yeah. She's over there having a grand old time. <laughs> like after she got like the first five shots off, she didn't care what nobody was thinking or saying. <laughs> like I'm just doing me. <laughs> get it, get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have any other questions for San Gomez? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's so much going on in the world right now. It's so hard to pick like a. <laughs> yeah. Now you got to be careful what you ask him because there's certain things he can't talk about. That is true. You that know, is so, so you got to be wary about that. So you just got to kind of dance around the fence if it's something <laughs> real world situation going on. Um, what is your everyday carry? Right now, I've been stuck on my HK VP9. Nice. It's a full full size um, stock. I haven't done anything to it other than put a TLR Streamlight. And I, I was carrying two mags, but I think I got a new holster from this guy down the street. He was making them out of his garage, and um, I like the. I got one magazine with uh, seventeen rounds. And uh, I think for what I'm doing, going to the store here and there, 17 rounds should be more than enough. It's like, I, I was carrying two for a little while, but it was just too much. And now that it's warming up, it's, it's even harder to conceal. So yeah, I'm, I'm sticking to that one 17 round mag. I'm a firm believer in carrying two magazines also. So, but I like the, you know, the cargo that comes with 
like if the mag whatever holster you have and it has a second one for that magazine i'm cool with that now if that's uncomfortable for you um i don't know where you carry on your waistline or how you carry but um another option could be the individual magazine pouch someplace else on your belt and wherever it's comfortable for you to grab it from yeah i carry appendix mm -hmm. and i'm right-handed so i mean it's comfortable but I have to dress to the gun when I wear that holster with the spare mag. Right. When I when I just wear the holster with no spare mag, it's very easy to just grab something off the hanger and put it on because I know it's covered. But uh, when I have to, when I wear that second mag and I have to be more specific on what I'm wearing or make sure I wear a large shirt or any over shirt some to make sure it's concealed correctly. No, you're, but, on, you're, not, you're not that big now. Large shirt now. You're only three no, off a size. Mean, it's not. It's not like a large. <laughs> I wear mediums, but after you wash them a couple of yeah. times, they tend okay. to fit a little different. Got you. I got but, you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, and then the winter is just much easier to to carry even more or not ammo like the combat load, but an extra magazine, um, and then. In the truck, I have a first aid kit with the tourniquet. Right. And that, that's pretty much it. So now, why HK? What was your reasoning for letting that be your determination for your EDC? So at the time, I had a Smith & Wesson 40 cal. And um, that was getting expensive to shoot on. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to 9 mil. And I, they had just came out when I got it. It, it seemed like they had just came out, and they they had this gray, like this. I don't even know what they call it, but it's gray. And I, I like the I like the color. I went to the store. I tell about the SDV, the SDV series. Uh, no, it's just the just a VP nine. Oh no, I thought you was talking about the um, Smith and Wesson. I'm sorry. No, the, the Smith & Wesson is a, let me see. You said that was a 40. Yeah, you said that was a 40. Yeah, yeah it was a compact or subcompact 40. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't like it. After I shot it a couple of times, like it, it was easy to conceal because it, obviously it's smaller, but 40 was expensive to shoot. And I didn't like Recall. the way that <laughs> that third and fourth shot fell in my hand. I couldn't get a good grip because it, it was so small. So I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go full size. And uh, H and K had that gray. I tried it. I liked the grip. They they fit it to my hand. And uh, now it's just a matter of concealing it. And I had read that. I mean, you can conceal anything, right? Correct. I mean, in theory, you can conceal anything. So mm -hmm. the it's a full size, 17 rounds, and uh, I liked it. Cool. Cool. I'm with you on that. Um, there is, I don't know if it's still there or not, but when I was there, there was an HK plant. Um, I think you go down Macon Road, like you're going towards Cusetta or like towards the Savannah area. And if you look off, it's kind of hidden a little bit, but if you're not paying attention, you'll pass it. And it's like right behind one of those um, little berms on the side of the road. And when you come past it, um, you'll see it. But I think it's 
right before the cable company off on Macon Road. Off yeah. Macon? Correct. I'll have to check it out. Yes. I, if it's still here, I don't know. Every time I look for guns or I'm like in the market for a gun or something gun related, Correct. the only thing I, I that comes up is Columbus, like shooters. Yeah. Um, but now I don't know if that's where they make firearms at, but I don't think you can just go in there and just be like, hey, what do y'all got? You know, but no, they, right, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But I think they can give you a tour and everything like that. Um, because that's what they have here in Columbia, South Carolina, and it's an FN factory. And you can go in and take a tour and everything. And at the end of the tour, whatever they have, they'll um they can sell it to you as well. But they'll give it to you for a discount after the tour. Oh, straight from the source too. Mm-hmm. Correct. And it's normally like a 20% savings when you do it that way. Oh, I bet. Yeah, it's got to be a little cheaper because it's directly from the store. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, because I know like when you go down, because I used to live off of Macon Road. So once you get, um, if you're coming from Fort Benning, you get off on the Macon Road exit. Um, you're taking a right once you come off the exit and then you're just going to keep straight all the way to the end. Then you're going to take that right because you're going to come um, where it's like that gas station and truck stop because you can only go left or right once you get to the end of Macon Road. Take that right and then just keep straight down and start looking off to your right-hand side and you'll see it if it's still there. And it has a big H and K on the side of the building. Damn, I didn't even know that was, I thought that'd be just where they make them. Yeah, it probably is where they make them at, but um, nothing like a retail store, you know. But it's something to, to look into, you know what I'm saying? Ain't no, yeah, telling, ain't no telling who works out there that is former military that can point you in the right direction or hook you up with other accessories for that HK that you carry um, for your EDC. Something to think about, food for thought. <laughs> all right you got anything else no so i don't know if you guys have looked into it but the uh suppressor industry mm-hmm. they're uh averaging about 90 day turnarounds oh wow they bumped that down tremendously because when i got my suppressor it was like a year and 13 months <laughs> yeah they so they they went to an online program or a like wireless program Mm-hmm. And there for a while, they didn't have the people to uh, to manage that. And now that people have been like a year, people are trained up on the systems. The, the turnarounds are uh, fairly quick. And I'm, I'm in the process. I'm debating on what I want, but I might pull the trigger on one in the next few weeks. And then if uh, once I come down on orders, mm-hmm. if it's not in yet, you call the ATF and they'll like front load your paperwork. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious to know how that's going to work out. So when you actually start that process, um, just text me and then let me know that you start the process, like whatever day it is. And then whenever you get it, text me again and let me know when you got it. So I can like, okay, that's pretty fast. Because like I said, for me, it was like two years, one month um, when I got mine. Yeah. And that was shortly... Hold on. I, I was still in the military. Nope, nope, I had just retired. Matter of fact, I had just retired. Um, 
because I did the paperwork in January, February time period, and I didn't get it until December at that um, two-year, one-month point. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, it was a lot. And the guy even told me that. He was like, yeah, it's going to be about a year before you get it back. And I was like, all right, cool. And all you could do is wait. <laughs> but I never did understood why it took so long. But, yeah, I'm curious to see that, that turnaround. Yeah, like the the shooters here in town, they have it's just a kiosk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see them like you see them here, like Palmetto State Armory, also. Like, do they do that at y'all gun store up there, Rockstar? Like, they got a kiosk when you walk in. When it comes to, um, it should say something like Silencer Co. on it or something like that. I don't think so, but I guess mm-hmm. I've never looked either. Yeah, it, it might look like an ATM machine, in a sense of speaking, at a gun store. So. And sometimes it's like by the front door or in the middle of the store <laughs> you know, or by right. the restrooms. <laughs> they strategically place it, whereas, <laughs> you know, you can go fill out the paperwork and be done with it. But I might head up there to um, Palmetto State Armory and ask a few questions about it, because that would be pretty cool if they did ramp up the time period. So as to it's a shorter time where you get it back now. Yeah, 90 days is, I mean, 90 days beats anything over six months. And then mm-hmm. the lady there, this, like, e- either she's trying to sell me something or what, but she said, hey, the fastest we've seen it this year is three weeks. I'm like, wow. holy shit. Like, that's, yeah. that's even better. But yeah. Now, I've always attributed to um, the time period for me to, why well, it took so long for me to get it. It's harder to go through the system when you got a security clearance. So you would think like if you already had a security clearance, all the checks on you have been done and it's easier for you to get, but that's not necessarily the case, <laughs> you know? So um, I've always said that's probably why it took so long because of my security clearance at that time, you know, cause it was still good. What, for five more years when I got out in the military? Yeah, man, I thought that would have sped it. I thought you would figure that would help. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, you would, you would think it would have helped, but I, I've always thought that was the reason why it slowed it down because um, the government, the different agencies don't talk to each other. You know, so that's. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's part of the problem. And the paperwork gets mailed like. Yeah. Snail mail. It's like mailed (laughs) out. Yeah. It's like, but now the, the kiosk, the lady says like, Hey, you, you take a picture here. Your passport pictures are done here. Like everything mm-hmm. pretty much on the spot. Digital. Welcome to the digital age. That's how I go. Yeah. All right. Well, I do want to thank you um, for doing that, uh, coming on to the show um, for this week. And I'm going to bring you back on a couple weeks from now. And hopefully you would already started your process and see how that's going to take place. And, um, okay. but yeah, we'll bring you back on here in a couple more weeks and, bring up some more talking points from sergeant gomez <laughs> all righty yep uh, nice uh, talking to y'all hope you have a good week all right you too now you take thank care thank you. Mm-hmm. all right take care yep Bye. yeah so um wow he made up brought up a valid point that a lot of people in the gun industry was talking about like not even five years ago like why is it so hard to get a suppressor it's going to help you more than anything because it's going to, it's like a muffler on your car. It makes the firearm silent, but then you got some people, oh, if you use it in a crime, you're not going to, no, you can still hear it. Cause it's not going to make it completely silent. Right. 
<laughs> right? And it's probably as loud as a hand clap, right? Because like with my suppressor or my um, AR, I can actually shoot it with no hearing protection on and still talk to you and it doesn't hurt my ears wow. whatsoever. Yeah. So the next time we link up um, and I bring it out, I'll bring it all out and let you play with it and everything. Yeah, that'd be cool. But you can't put it in the Jeep unless I'm in the Jeep. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. Wow. Can't, you I see can't put it, it. Yeah, you can't put it in the Jeep unless I'm with it. <laughs> next thing you know, Rox, I'll be throwing the deuces. All right, I'll see you next time. Like, oh, no, she got my stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but yeah, let's go ahead and um, head into another commercial break. And the next segment, we're going to have a conversation with another competition shooter who I've shot with at a few matches here locally. And his name is Doug Lawson. And I'm curious to hear some of the challenges that he has to deal with as far as him shooting for the Rudy project that he signed with and other challenges he has as far as work, family, and trying to make various matches. So, and the biggest thing with shooting is getting ranked in a shooting. So even though like you see the videos and it looks cool, it looks fun, but the mental aspect of it is everybody is racing to try to either beat somebody and score or trying to get to a certain level as far as placement with their classification. Sure. And a lot of times when I post stuff, I leave that out. So it's just like, okay, you saw the video. What did, I, what did you think I messed up on? Or how do you think I shot? That's normally how I address the videos, but my goal for last year was to make a class COVID hit kind of stopped everything from happening for a little bit. And when it picked back up, it, the system wasn't the same. So I just took from last year's measures, push it to this year. So by the end of the year, I'm hoping to make a class by the end of the year. And it's, it's a mental aspect more than a physical aspect because it's more mental in it than physical. I just put it like that. All right. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and let's do that. Let's jump into a quick commercial break. So um, if everybody will, please take the time to go refresh your drinks, utilize the restroom if you need to, get back in that chair, throw them headphones back on, and here are a few words from our sponsors. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic holster is available in four different models fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your relic today at jm4tactical.com. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. 
find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. All right, good people, we're back at it again. And thank you for sitting through that commercial break that we had. And as we said before the break, that we was going to have a conversation with someone who shoots in the South Carolina area. Now, the person I'm bringing on today is someone who enjoys shooting just as much as me. But at the same time, I think he is having a little bit more challenges than I am because I just play with guns all day. He has other responsibilities that he has to deal with all day also. So we're just going to go ahead and bring in one of my friends, Doug Lawson, and hear what he has to go through when it goes to shooting compared to what I have to go through. So without further ado, bringing forth a fellow competition shooter, Doug Lawson. What's going on there with you, Doug? What's going on, man? Doing all right? Yeah, for the most part. You know how it goes um another day in paradise another conversation let's have fun with it oh yeah yeah that's it right there so starting from the top can you tell the good people who is doug lawson and what drives doug lawson who am i well uh um been in south carolina all my life um married to my lovely wife have one daughter um, and, uh, worked two jobs, you know, it's been shooting for about six years now. So, I uh, used to do, I used to be big in the cars. I was a big car hobbyist. Um, and, uh, which I still, still got my baby, still got my Mustang. It just don't run no more, but that's what happens when you get kids and other hobbies take over your other things, take back seats. So, uh, I just, uh, just a normal everyday guy. Oh, I got you on that. So um, now we know that you were, I, I'm going to call you a gearhead because that's what we call the people that tinker with cars when we was growing up, gearheads. And how did you find your passion or how did you get pushed into firearms? Let's put it like that. I got pushed in basically via um, Outdoor Channel's uh, Shooting USA show. Mm-hmm. I started watching that um, back in like 2011, 2012, and I was like, that looks like fun. I think I can do it. Let's go try it. And ever since then, I've just been passionate about firearms ever since. Okay. So just like everything else, everybody who gets behind a firearm, uh, the power, the controlling the power, and then the adrenaline rush you get with maneuvering with the firearm pretty much took its control over you as well like everybody else oh yeah definitely yeah um 
it's, it's kind of funny, a uh, little side story. When my wife and I went to get our CWPs, um, I was actually took the only gun I had at the time, which is a full-size Para 1911. Now, this is back in 2013. Didn't really know a whole lot about guns and was still getting used to it, but I always liked that design. And, you know, back then I was like 45, stopping power. You know, that's that's the ticket. And I'll never forget I was at the class and the instructor was like, are you going to carry that? I'm like, oh, no, I'm just shooting shooting this for my to get qualified. I'm going to get something this caliber smaller. Um, and lo and behold, my gun actually jammed on me during the class for the qualification. And he actually handed me his Wilson Combat 1911 and said, here, shoot this one to finish your qualification. So I was like, okay. And once I held that gun with the trigger job and all that done to it, I said, wow, I really like this. I got to get more into more in the firearm stuff. And my wife still brags on today that she beat me by five points because uh, she says she's the better shot. But we all know that it's it the gun's fault. That's that's why she beat me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, the way I got introduced to competition shooting was I was going through a Homeland Security course when I was in the military. And the instructor was using competition shooting as a fulcrum to say, hey, you're not as good as you think you are. We get out there and there was a lady on the squad that we were shooting with. And she was like 55 years old and blew us all out the water. And I'm sitting there, you know, me and my buddy, we walked in like, okay, yeah, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, we did this real life. This ain't nothing. That lady blew us out the water. And ever since then, I was like, nope, mm -mm, I got to push forward with it. <laughs> so it's just one of those type of things, man. In my personal opinion, I've always said this and I stand behind this 100% of the time. Whatever it comes to it, women shoot better than men. That's what I honestly think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Uh, I got to get her back up to the range and uh, get her uh, back handling a gun because I think it goes with today's thing. You know, ladies who have CWPs, they don't really want to carry because I think they're worried about the kid grabbing the gun maybe right. in their purse mm -hmm. or maybe on their body by accident. And so that was my wife's deal. She was so scared, I think, that she didn't want to carry because she was afraid of the little one getting the gun. And so I just finally told her, I was like, hey, the way things are going, I really want you to start carrying again because she hasn't carried for over a year. And so she's finally carrying again. And we've actually talked, even though my daughter's three, we've actually talked with her and said, hey, do not touch these. These are mommy and daddy's. And you know, we've just done a little fire and safety with her. Yeah, she's three years old, but she's she's advanced for her age. So it's, you know, it's, it's pretty good. You know, like the other day I was getting ready for Belton the other day and she saw me cleaning my gun and she was like, Daddy, what's this? Daddy, what's that? What does this do? Well, you know, tell me what this is. Mm -hmm. Can I help do this? And I was just like, yeah, sure. Come on, let's do it. And she she helped me and it was she, she's learning she grabbed one of the pieces I was like no don't touch that let me explain to you what this does so and she was like, okay I understand <laughs> I got you I got you on that so now from the beginning of course you know you went through the CWP course how did you get introduced to competition shooting well uh, like I said that started with me watching it on TV with uh, uh oh, shooting so USA yeah. Oh, so Shooting USA actually had an episode that talked about competition shooting. Yep. Oh, okay, okay. I misunderstood <laughs> that. My bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that, and then I went on, uh, I went through USPSA.org and 
you know, when we moved from Greenville to uh, where we are now in Spartanburg and out in Woodruff, I was looking for a place to go shoot. And I was like, okay, I, before I go, I really need to go see if this really is for me. I need to go, you know, go watch a match or two and make sure it's for me. And that's what I tell any and all new shooters that want to get in the competition. I was like, you need to go to a match. You need to watch at least a few. That way you can say, hey, this is for me or not. I don't think this is a good idea because I don't want people to spend tons of money on a firearm and all the equipment and they go shoot one match and they're like, no, nah, I'm done, you know, and they just, you know, not really throwing money away, but if you're not going to use the gear, then yeah, you kind of do throw it away. That's so cool. I went to Spart I went to Spartanburg, saw a few matches, actually met some real some friends of mine that are real good friends of mine now. And that's how I got hooked. So I think it was uh, about a month after going to my first match, I'd saved up some money. And I said, I'm going to shoot single stack. That's what I want to do. I'm a 1911 guy. So that's, that's what I'm going to shoot. So I went and bought a Springfield range officer operator in 45, bought all the magazine pouches and all the magazines. And this is back, you know, when ammo was cheap, you know, <laughs> it's not like it is today. And I was shooting 45. It was major cow, major cow. And I was like, I can do this. And my first stage Oh, I didn't, I, I, what I thought I knew, oh, I didn't know the way, the, how to draw and how to move and this and that. I will never forget the RO drilling stuff into my head. He's like, I know you're new. I know you're learning, but you got to not do this, this, and this. Because I was still wanting to do my concealed carry draw versus the competition draw. And so they're completely different. And I kept wanting to sweep my hand this way and that way. And they said, no, you can't do that. So it's, it's a big learning curve, but it's, I think, competition shooting can help people especially idpa which i haven't done yet i kind of want to do it it's just i'm not big on vest <laughs> so but i think competition shooting can help people get better in their shooting uh i did idpa a couple times i got turned off from idpa but when i was doing idpa i didn't have a vest i was just using my shirt you know, and um, pretty much it was just concealed carry, you know, did everything from the concealed standpoint. But um, they changed it up a little bit since when I first started doing IDPA, but I just never went back because I just had a bad taste in my mouth with the people who was running the IDPA side of things where I was stationed at at that time. And um, but I kept saying I was going to go back and try it again. I just never did. You know, because, of course, coming across USPSA, is, to me, is a lot more fun, you know, from a different standpoint. Now, I'm taking it. You shoot single stack, right? Not what you just said? Yeah, I, I do. Um, right. uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I thought you was going to finish it up. Okay. <laughs> so um, we discovered that you shot um, single stack. Do you ever plan on diving into any other divisions within USPSA? Yeah, I actually started with single stack and I was like, okay, I don't really like all this reloading and, you know, 45 is a lot. So let's look at the other divisions because there's so many divisions in USPSA. And this was before carry optics even existed and it hadn't really got new yet. And so I went to limited and I bought a SIG uh, 320 X5, the all black one with a pretty stainless barrel. I don't know why SIG stopped making that gun that way. I think it was the best design on that gun besides the Legion that's out now. 
And so I started shooting limited and I did well on limited. Then carry optics just exploded out of nowhere. So I was like, yeah, let's throw a dot on the gun. Let's see if I can do this. And I shot carry optics for two seasons. And when I went back to shoot it the following season, the following year, I couldn't find the dot anymore. My, I don't know if it's just my eyes or what. My eyes just didn't want to find the dot. No matter what I did, no matter how I trained, I just couldn't get it. So I said, okay, carry out this for me and limited minors. It's fun, but you can't really compete with all these major guys. Mm-hmm. So I sold that set up and I said, I want to go back to shoot 1911, but I don't want to shoot major. So let's shoot minor st- and just still have some fun. But in time before I did that, I shot a little production with, uh, with a Walther Q5 SF, great gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I shot production for a while. And then I said, you know, I just really need to get back in the single stack. That's what I loved shooting. That's that's where I need to be. And so I got, I'm running a SIG Max Michelle 1911 and 9mm. And it's just a basic gun. I've added just, I had my gunsmith at Upstate Armored Group do a trigger job on it. I did a full-length guide rod spring with tent, uh, on it. And I had the Shooter's Innovation, uh, uh, what they call it, thing call it a uh, bottom feeders for the ice mag whale and it's it's that gun has just run so good I n- i've never had an issue out of that gun so and everybody like we had the match yesterday and one of the young kids that's shooting he's shooting pcc and he was like dude i don't know how you can shoot 1911 i would go nuts with all those reloads i was like once you've been doing it for so long it's just second nature man it's so much fun it's like you get to game the stage a little better because yeah you ain't got to reload as much as i do but I got to go like, okay, I can go one, two, as I can count my reload. Okay, I can reload here or I can reload here. And it's, it's just the fun of it. Really, that's, that's why I like shooting single stack so much because it's the classic. It's what um, it's what the founders of Ipsig and all of them started with was 1911s. You know, Bill Wilson and all those guys, they started it with 1911s and it just grew from there. Do you know um, Tudor? Tudor. Yeah, like if you do... Um pretty much all the major matches between South Carolina, North Carolina. He does them all those matches, but he also shoots a uh, single, single stack, but he loves it. He'll tell you, I, I just love doing the reloads, you know? So if you don't know him, like I said, I'll introduce you to him and everything, but he, he's a good guy when it comes to that uh, single stack game. Like he's really good at it. So yeah, um, I actually have a, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, actually, I have a real good friend that shoots single stack. Um, Nathan Carter, he actually owns Shooting Sports Innovations. And so he's he, he's real, uh, him and I, we'll, we talk a lot. And um, I'm planning on going to Nats with him this year, but the way things are going, I don't know if I'll be able to make nationals. I want to go. It'll be my first nationals ever. But if I can't make nationals, I might just settle for SC State. But, uh, yeah, uh, my buddy Nathan, he, uh, he's a, I think he's a grandmaster in um, single stack. And uh, he's just, he's really good. He, him and I, if we shoot together, we always bounce ideas off each other and I'll watch him shoot. And I'm like, okay, I saw how he shot that. So let me try and incorporate in that in my routine when I get home and, you know, with my dry fire routine and this and that. Okay. How many years have you been shooting all together? About seven. Okay. About seven years. So what's your of course with the um, right now I'm waiting on to come back in single stack because single stack minor is real hard to move up in. So I'm currently sitting at a real high D, but I had a good run this last week. So hopefully I'll bump up into C class, uh, um, C class in carry optics and, um, C class in productions and, um, D class in limited. So see, everything's in minor. So it's really hard to move up. If I was probably a major, 
I could probably move up a little bit quicker. So, but one thing I noticed when I shoot, because I, I have to tell myself in my head, I feel like I'm running. But when I see myself on film, I'm not really running. I'm just like in a slow moving job. Yes. So I hate seeing myself on film, but I like seeing myself on film because I'm like, okay, that's what I need to work on. But then it's like when I get to a match, it like completely goes out my head. <laughs> so I noticed like the same thing happened to me a few times. Like I'm watching a video and I'll be like, man, I remember the stage, but I thought I was moving a whole lot faster than that. Because I remember it was a few times where somebody was like, yeah, your time was like, 30 30 33 or something like that and i was like 30 seconds you know in the infantry mindset that's a, an eternity and i'm like hold on i know i did that stage faster than that man hold on they did something wrong and you go back and you look at the video you'd be like man that is 30 seconds <laughs> like what is going on here but um i can relate to that one though i can definitely relate to that one now, now you said that you was um planning on going to nationals this year have you done any other major matches now that actually like the biggest major I've ever done. The only other majors I've done is I've done NC State a few times, and I've done the the South Carolina State match. So, with um, with having two jobs and wife and a little one, um, you got to make you got to make compromises. So I, I limit it. I limit it to one match a month. So I mean, I like like to do more, but um, that was just something that we decided, you know, as a couple when my daughter was born. Um, because our, our daughters uh, adopted and uh, we uh, and so we waited three uh, we had three tries and we finally got her on the third one um, through uh, different birth moms and so we made a lot of sacrifices and as I said you, you, that's one of the rules but one of the things that we came up with is say hey you know she doesn't my wife don't mind me going doing stuff but I got to make time for family also right and so I have to say that that's that's just why, because I work at BMW here in the upstate. Um, I handle a lot of the software that goes on a lot of the parts. And when I'm not there, I work at a little place down here in Woodruff, a little country store, you know, just to make extra money to kind of help support the family. And it also helps kind of support my, my hobbies too, because shooting to me is a hobby. I'm not getting paid to shoot. Now, if I was a sponsor shooter from a big company like, you know, Wilson, Nighthawk, you know, SIG, somebody like that, yeah. But I'm, I'm not a sponsor shooter, so I can't really do that much traveling. So I, you got to fit everything in the budgets and stuff like that. Right. Now, I actually am a sponsor shooter. I'm with Rudy Project. And I love it. I like being with Rudy. I've been with Rudy for almost three years now. Um, and, you know, we have uh, our main focus is, you know, sunglasses, eyewear, things like that. Right. But we also have other little sponsors with us, like Seymour and Solomon and Techwear, um, Lima Cat. So it's uh, 3M. So good group. National. We're a national team. Um, I was actually, if I'm not mistaken, was the first shooter ever from South Carolina to become part of that national team. And then I got a few more people involved. And of course, some of them have gone on to their own things. So, but and, um, I really like being a part of part of Rudy. It's they're they're a good they're a good group of people. So that's awesome, though. Um, so. You still have involvements with the Rudy Project, or correct or not? Yeah, yeah. I do. Mm -hmm. All right, cool, cool. That's cool. So now, what advice would you give someone who is new coming into USPSA? Advice. Well, first, I'd say, and I, I tell people this all the time, especially on Facebook, when we, you know, some of the pages that I'm on, and um, sometimes, you know, people like 
I got a guy at work. I actually got him involved in long range precision shooting. And he's got him. He just bought him a, well, he's had about six months. He's got him a Ruger precision and six, five. I told him, I said, dude, that gun's pretty good out of the box. You might want to tweak it a little here or there. I said, this is a pretty good gun. And he's done told me how much he spent on that gun. I was like, dude, well, I didn't tell you to go all out, <laughs> but he's, he wants to get into a um, precision shooting. And I said, that's fun. It's that's its own game. I don't think I could do that maybe later on down the line when I get a little older, but I just don't do that. But for new shooters that are coming in, first thing I, I tell them to do um, is go to a match, watch matches and, uh, and hang out, talk to people. It never, I mean, people, USPSA is super friendly. Um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the car community that I used to be in. And I'm, I'm still a big guys with all my car buddies. Um, but you know, we've all gotten married and all have kids now. So we've all moved on different things, but you, the sport is super friendly to people. You can come in and say, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about maybe, maybe shooting, you know, what, what do you recommend? And, you know, you, you give them ideas, but you don't want to say, Hey, you need to do carry officers. Hey, you need to do limit. You need to pick what works for you. I mean, there's, you know, there's limited, there's limited 10, there's revolver, single stack, open gun. If people really want to go crazy with money, um, carry optics, uh, there's, there's so many divisions within USPSA. And so I just tell them, come to a match, hang out, see which one works for you. And they go home and do more research and then start figuring, okay, this is my budget. This is what I can afford to shoot. Okay. This is where I need to go. And then once you get all set up, come to a match and when you say, Hey, I'm a new shooter. And normally match directors will put new shooters with good squads that people have been shooting a long time to say, Hey, this is a new shooter. He, he really wants to learn. Or she really wants to learn, you know, help them out. And that's what we do. We walk, we take our time with them. We don't get mad at them. We make sure they don't break the rules, you know, 180, especially, you know, or, you know, you always have control of the gun, this and that. But that's just a few of the points I, I, I recommend to people. So I got you on that. So now um, what are your goals moving forward when it comes to shooting, regardless of what discipline it is? Um, I want to get faster. Uh, I actually talked to my buddy, uh, Tyler Manhanser, who's a master, and I think he's a grandmaster. Um, turbo and a lot of sport. Yeah, <laughs> turbo, turbo. Yeah, old turbo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just. First um, I, was, I had a conversation with him a couple of weeks ago, and um, it was a very good conversation. I, I actually want to go ahead and link up with him and pick his brain a little bit more as well. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's a he's a he's a cool guy. He you know he moved here from California, and I got to talking to him right before he moved, and we became real good friends. Um, and, you know, he was telling me yesterday, he said, hey, tweak this a little, or it's like, hey, just move a little faster. And I mean, he even texted me yesterday, he said, hey, hey, man, good runs today. I was like, yeah, I was, I was like, I know they were good, but I feel like I could go faster. He's like, you'll get there. He's like, you just need to come to one of my classes. I was like, do I get that friend discount? <laughs> he kind of laughed. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> yeah, that's how I go right there. So um, now the next set of questions I want to ask you, I call it quick fire. All right. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question. You set the criteria for whatever it is. So if right. I happen to say, um, let's just happen to say a bag of um, German gummy bears, you pick the criteria of, okay, am I eating it at daytime, nighttime, before dinner, after dinner, lunch, whatever your criteria is, you just make the determination. All right. All right. So here we go. First question. 
loyalty or respect? Ooh, can it be both? <laughs> um, I mean, loyalty is good, but if you can't respect the person or respect what you're doing, I mean, it's, it's just, that's kind of a hard one. Um, to really answer. I mean, I, I want people to show me respect as much as I show them respect. Uh, I mean, you're, you're going to get 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 out what you put in to anything. So. So you're saying respect? Yeah, respect. Yeah. Okay. Full size or compact? Compact. Okay. One in the chamber or not? Uh, one in the chamber. You would be stupid, not. <laughs> <laughs> iron sights or red dot? I like irons. I'm, I'm, I'm an irons guy. Smith and Wesson or Glock? Smith and Wesson. Over the ear or in the ear protection? In the ear. I, uh, in the ear. Me and muffs don't get along. I get a headache. <laughs> Open carry or concealed carry? Depends on the situation. Which one, though? You, you set the criteria um, for it. Uh, open carry. Um, and I don't mean to be biased by that, but I, open carry. Okay. <laughs> Stock sites or fiber optic sites? Fiber optic. Kydex or leather holster? I, I, I got to go leather on this one and only because I, I like leather, but uh, uh, my father-in-law actually owns a small little leather business and he makes really good leather holsters. So uh, I got to give him that little nod right there. <laughs> All right. Uh, safety or no safety? Safety. Just because I'm a 1911 guy, that's what I'm used to using. Speed or accuracy? Accurate feed comes later. You said accuracy come later? Yeah. Uh, no, accuracy because feed comes later. Okay. There you go. You, you, could be the, you could be the fastest guy on the range, but if your hits aren't that good, what's the point? Okay. All right. Last question. Jesse Harrison or Julie Gallop? Oh, you're going to be fixing those two? Man. <laughs> Threw you on the spot there, didn't it? <laughs> Yeah, well, I had uh, since uh, uh, I have to go, to Julie. I've I've met Julie. Um, I got to meet her at NRA twenty seventeen, and she was just so welcoming, fun to be around. So uh, I have to go, to Julie. So. Okay. All right. So that's pretty much it. That's all the questions we have for you. And um, but if everybody wants to contact you and talk to you about shooting or see your videos or anything of the such, how can the good people find you on your social media? Um, you can just find me on Facebook. Uh, you might have a hard time finding me uh, just the way things are set up with the adoption profile. Um, but um, you look me up at Douglas Lawson on, on Facebook and you'll just see my backside with the Rudy Project um, jersey on shooting the 1911. Um, or you can always, you can probably catch it on Instagram. It's a little bit easier. It's um, uh, at snowman 3 gt all lowercase. Um, again, it's just a picture of me shooting, uh, I was shooting my uh, State uh, Legion back then in that picture. I need to update that picture. That's an old picture on there. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I'm <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where they can find me. So. Okay, that's it right there. So once again, I do want to thank you for coming on to the M-W Tactical Podcast. And anytime you want to come on and just have a conversation, just let me know. We'll bring you back on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, we can, we can talk about the – we get more involved in the sport and some maybe training and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that'd be good. Oh, yeah, we could definitely do that. But um, for everybody else, once again, thank you for listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. And just remember that every Tuesday, a new episode is released. At the same time, head on over to our social media and look for us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest. Just do a search for at M underscore W Tactical and go ahead and like everything we do. Subscribe. Look at the videos that we put up. Give comments, whether you like them or don't like them. Just tell us what you think. So as we always say, until next time, keep shooting keep practicing and have fun. Y'all take care now.